We're back with another Takes by the Lake. I'm Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, we're getting more listeners. We appreciate that. A little different today. We've been hitting the Browns heavy. We're going to continue to hit the Browns, but we're hitting gambling a little bit today. And so if your instinct is to turn this off because it's not something you're interested in, I would wait for one second because we know sports gambling is coming. The Supreme Court ruling on Monday said that states can now do this. And Ohio's going to do it one way or the other. Rich Exner at Cleveland.com, you should be reading his stories. He's been covering a lot of the little little details about this. And that's what this podcast is. It's the details. It's how is this going to happen? How might this affect your sports teams, your sports experience? Because here's the thing. If you have no interest in sports gambling, I think this ruling may affect you anyway. Because I think there's going to be more people around you who are doing it. And the conversation is going to be increased. Um, Your experience might shift a little bit. More people are going to be talking about it. So I think if you are a sports fan, I think it it would be good just to get a little more knowledgeable about this, about what's coming. Even if you think to yourself, I don't want to lose money on the Browns. I'm not betting on them. Um, So that's what we did here. I talked to a guy named Brett Smiley. He has a journalistic background. He has a law background. He studies this stuff. He understands this stuff. He's at a site called SportsHandle.com, um, and they cover this issue. They have a. He has a great understanding of, of the implementation of this, what it might mean, how it might change things. So we had a very interesting conversation um, about how things might change, about the best way for Ohio to implement this. Are we going to see more gambling scandals or fewer gambling scandals? What's the downside to legalize sports gambling? How will states set the lines on these games? Well, the fact that you're in Ohio and there are Browns fans and fans of the Buckeyes and the Cavs and the Indians in Ohio – Will that how will that change the lines for those games? Will the Browns be a 10-point underdog in Ohio? But in Oklahoma or Michigan or Pennsylvania or New Jersey, on the betting lines in those states, will they be a 14-point underdog? And might there be professional gamblers who try to take advantage of that? Um, will you if you have a bet on the Browns? And they're favored by four, and they're winning by three and taking a knee. And I know this is a scenario that is hard to imagine given the last two seasons. But pretend that the Browns are winning. Are we maybe going to see a world where could the Browns get booed at home for winning but not winning by enough? (laughs) Because a lot of people in that stadium have a bet on the Browns minus four, and a three-point win doesn't cut it. I don't know. There's no answer to that. I think it's kind of interesting to talk about. So we talked about that with Brett Smiley, especially what does it mean for college and amateur, quote, amateur athletics, where everybody in Ohio Stadium can now have a chance to make money on the Buckeyes, except the teenagers and 20-somethings playing the game. Um, There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Should they limit it? Should they limit how much you can bet on a college game, maybe, because of that temptation around amateur athletics? And if it's more prevalent, are you going to maybe perhaps uh, make it more tantalizing for people in and around the college athletics program who aren't getting paid to maybe try to make some money off this. That would not be a good thing. So should you maybe limit college betting in some way? That's the conversation. We hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to get back to the Browns in future Takes by the Lake podcast. Make sure you subscribe, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Um, Again, appreciate the reviews on iTunes if you want to drop one there. 
Um, and so this is a conversation with Brett Smiley. If you're into the gambling thing, I think you'll like it. It's interesting. If you're not into it, I think it will inform you a little bit. Try it. It'll inform you a little bit because I do think the sports world is going to change to some degree. And, and whether you like it or not, it's going to change. And this will help you understand that change. So this is Brett Smiley from Sports Handle Talk, uh, SportsHandle.com talking with me. Doug LaMaurice from Cleveland.com on the latest Takes by the Lake. We're happy to be joined on Takes by the Lake by Brett Smiley, the editor-in-chief and co-founder of SportsHandle.com. And this is the kind of guy that we need to be talking to at a time like this because we're all interested in what this sports gambling decision means, but we don't know exactly what it means. So Brett, first of all, Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Happy to be here with you. And here is my number one question. We know that sports fans in the United States previously could go to uh, the state of Nevada and, and do sports betting. We know that a lot of people did things with overseas accounts. And, um, you know, some people, if you wanted the sports bet, you could find a way to sports bet. Now that, that this decision has been made by the Supreme Court. Like, how would you characterize how big of a deal that you think this is, both for sports fans, for sports leagues, for the sports gambling industry? Are we going to see a sea change in American sports? Or is it, you know, just kind of easier to bet for people who want to bet, but it doesn't really fundamentally change things? Well, it, it was a massive decision by the court and you know as you said people who are already betting on sports they already have been they may continue to keep their monies and deposits offshore with the local bookie but i i think i think it is uh, it's it's a pretty uh high magnitude of what occurred because since 1992 when when the federal ban was enacted sports betting could only be in nevada it was um i mean that was kind of in response to the p rose incident and and a point-shaving scandal. Uh, but that kind of frozen time in 1992 where, where the country was at with, with sports betting, and yeah. it's been stigmatized. People maybe don't want to talk openly about sports betting, so I think that's one of the dramatic shifts we're going to see. It'll be easier for people to go make a bet in, in a variety of different states. There's a huge industry. Um, I'm sure people are reading headlines. FanDuel wants to be bought, so there's a lot happening. A lot of the states, some are, I think, more prepared than others for this. Some have already had some legislation on the books for what they might want to do in this world. Some are starting to make their decisions right now. Um, if you were advising a state on the best way to implement this, and I know, for instance, in the state of Nevada, um, you know, you can go into a sports book, but then you, a lot of these sports books also offer a thing where you can have an app on your phone and then you can sort of bet anywhere. You can bet anywhere at any time as long as you're in the state. Um, if, if you were advising a state, what's the best way to do it? Is it just to have windows in existing casinos? Is it best to, to have places all over the state in bars and other places where all of a sudden you can now go sports bet? Would you advise states to consider some kind of thing where people basically can bet any time from any place? What do you? Th the devil's in the details with all this stuff, right? What's the best way for states to do this? 
Sure, and well, the thing is that given what the court ruled, the states will be free to decide this as opposed to, you know, having the ban. Uh, what I would advise them to do first is probably take a trip out to Las Vegas and, and see the way that they do things. They've been doing it since 1950. They work well with their regulators, and lawmakers ought to get a sense of, of how they're, they're operating. Now, once they've done that, uh, a lot of the, the legislation that, that we're seeing is they're going to issue licenses to casinos, you know, existing brick and mortars, to racetracks, and any of these entities are going to have some sort of online app or, or mobile betting component. And in order to compete with the illegal market that's already flourishing, they're going to need that. It's the way that we, we all function and operate, read, read news, and most of us sleep with our phones uh, on our nightstand. It's, uh, it's, it's the way of the world now. Most of Nevada's wagers right now are coming in on mobile phones. So the states, new states that are going to have betting probably don't need humongous 90 uh, TV screen um, sports books. So I would imagine that they're going to be smaller in some states. I don't think it's necessary to have a sports book or a ticket window in every restaurant, but if states, if they want to go that route, uh, you know, I believe in states' rights, they ought to go ahead. <clears throat> in one state, Delaware, they uh, they have an NFL parlay wagering that it was actually an exception to uh, the rule in, in 1992. Mm-hmm. And they allow people uh, where the lottery operates to go punch a ticket. Uh, just for those NFL games in the same way that somebody would for Powerball or whatnot. Okay. So you maybe, maybe see retailers too, but, you know, the extent that they want to go, however the state wants to do it, they're seen as a source of, of tax revenue. I don't think it needs to be on every corner, nor will it, but, you know, the people can decide. I think for a lot of people um, in, in trying to figure out how it's going to affect the sports that they love and that they follow uh, i don't know which which side people fall in and i know there's some there's some idea that you know what when you regulate something when you when you bring something above board you make it easier to control you make it easier to find um instances of of when maybe people are trying to game the system or maybe there's a point shaving uh, operation in place, or maybe you know there are things where people are, are breaking the rules or trying to get over on somebody else. If you make it legal, maybe in some ways it's easier to actually patrol that. On the other hand, you're you're just going to make this more prevalent. You know, like you're going to take it from a thing that a certain segment of the population did if they really wanted to do it, and you're going to make it more of a part of everyday life. What do you think is going to be the effect? Is does it make are we going to see more gambling scandals around sports in the United States because of this now? Or will we see less because we've brought it all above board? Um, I know Nevada, you know, was the, the books there are very aware of when lines move and that kind of thing. Are, are we going to see more problems with the sports and gambling or fewer problems with the sports and gambling when we have a ruling like this? Fewer problems, and and that's been the that's what NBA Commissioner Adam Silver's position is. He he began writing about it in the New York Times in 2014. You know, they're an international league. They see that sports betting goes on in mass quantity in, in the United Kingdom and elsewhere, and and they they stated that if it's brought into a legal framework where you know where bookmakers across the country, as they do in Nevada, can monitor. And, um, you know, adhere to those regulations, it's, it's better for their games. And the only reason the tide really turned or is, or is going to turn is because the leagues are all, they're all on board now. Uh, NBA and MLB, they've been lobbying in a lot of different states, uh, in favor 
uh, for, for legal sports betting with uh, with an asterisk. And the NFL has said that they're going to speak with members of Congress. They want some sort of federal framework. But the the wall has slowly come crumbling down. I think a big part of that was was daily fantasy. And and as far as people, you know seeing potential changes within their games. Uh, I, I think that's a reasonable analogy. Daily fantasy, you know, there was signage and there was way too many advertisements on the TV, but eventually that faded away. Ultimately, this is an activity that's already been going on. Mm-hmm. There's about 150 to $300 billion wagered annually in this country illegally. So it, it may as well come above board, like you said, and, and be regulated and the states can pick up a few bucks on it. Is there a downside? So if we if we have a belief that you know again bringing it above board makes it easier to regulate, it was already happening. Um, states will now get revenue from it when before um, they weren't. Um, it it's sort of you know you're giving people the option. You know this is a way to maybe enjoy sports a little bit more. Lots of people like to do it. Um, you know, and it's one of those things. If you if people want to go, if you want to go buy a beer in a store, you can go buy a beer in a store, and then there are things in place to help you. You know, don't overuse things. There, there are programs for people who might struggle with that. So I'm sure there'll be more things that we see if you have a gambling problem. You know, call this number. That's always part of any expansion of gambling. So you know, it's up. People have the right to do things that they want to do if there's no harm to greater society as a result. So is there any downside to this? Is there any worry about this, or is this just you know what? Let people bet if they want to bet. You get some taxes and everything's good to go. Yeah, I, I think I think you identified the the main downside that I see. It's it's that some people who may not have been sports betting previously will begin to dabble, and and some of them may become addicted. But it's uh, that's a pretty it's a minority. I, I think maybe only two four percent of, of people uh, that participate develop some sort of an addiction. But at the same time, prohibition doesn't work. It hasn't stopped sports betting from. $300 billion worth of wagers, prohibition on alcohol didn't work, and, and hopefully the states will devote some of the resources that they'll have to, to helping people who might become addicted, appointing them to uh, state programs or just giving them some, some more information or, or allowing them to self-exclude themselves by, by telling the sports at some point that I should not be participating here. This is this is maybe this is kind of a very specific question, and 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 I hope I can explain it the right way. But well, let me ask a broader question first. Actually, would do you think? Well, if this is a state issue now, will all the states set their own lines? And if if it's legal in a state, is will will there be like a state line, or is it just that they get they're going to give licenses to individual outlets to individual casinos? Or individual books, and just like in in Vegas, there the lines are different from sports book to sports book. It might vary by a point or half a point, and that's just the way it is. It's an individual line. Is that how it will be in every single state, or would it make more sense for there to be some sort of governing body that in the state of Ohio, here are the lines, and then we just have the various outlets? How will they do that? What's the best way? It's going to be, and it, it ought to be the way that it's, it's done in Nevada. Each okay. license holder, each casino, they'll, they'll have the license. You're free to go to go uh, to operate your sports book. Some of them will use third parties. Uh, let's say William Hill, for example, to come in, and, and they've been doing it a while. They'll manage the risk because you, you can't just kind of have uniform numbers across the board because what if I come into your casino and I want to put a million bucks down on a, 
on the Browns, which was a whole separate issue. And, uh, you know, each book is going to have their own clientele and, and they need to be able to adjust their lines accordingly to, to manage their risk. So, uh, that said, a lot of these companies, you know, that are based in Nevada, they, they have establishments all across the country and, and they'll probably centralize some of their operations through Nevada, or at least get consulted, uh, in that way on, on how to adjust their odds and, and make sure that they're not too exposed. So now that we're localizing this, we know the passions run deep with local sports teams. For instance, if the Browns are, um, in the past, would have been a 14-point underdog in Las Vegas, where people are just betting and it's that's where you bet. Now, would it be possible that in Ohio, because maybe people are excited about the Browns and they want to bet on their hometown team, would the Browns in Ohio only be a 10-point underdog, but yet in other states they would be a 14-point underdog? And if you have lines that perhaps vary to some degree from state to state based on the hometown teams, will there be professional gamblers who try to take advantage of that, bet both sides, and somehow capitalize on a system where lines maybe will be affected by hometown teams and not just what the best line is for that game. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's something that we've been wondering aloud too. And uh, the answer is probably is yeah, there, there is going to be some, some bias uh, in hometown in in each state or, or city where where that team is. Uh, you know, probably the same way people, no matter what, how about the Giants are where I'm in New Jersey, they're gonna they're gonna bet on the Giants. So that's that's why I think it's important that each casino has the, the ability to adjust their line accordingly. Uh, and as to your, your second point about uh, could professionals exploit that a little bit, I think we may start seeing some sophisticated groups that, that do have you know people in various states monitoring these lines very carefully and, and you know looking at the numbers, how they might be differing. And uh, you know it'll all be above board legal, uh, but, but yeah, they might be shopping in various states to uh, exploit those advantages a bit. Do you think here's here's the thing that I'm wondering about? So um, the Cleveland Browns are playing on a Sunday, and um, everybody's there, you know, rooting for the Browns to win. And maybe I'm using the Browns because we're in Ohio, but maybe this is a bad sure. example. But let's say the Browns are actually a favorite. God forbid the Browns are favored to win a game, and the Browns are um, favored by four, and they're winning by three late in the game and they're at the 20-yard line, and they start taking knees to run out the clock rather than kick a field goal. Are we? Do you think we might see situations where hometown teams are getting booed for winning but not covering, or things like that, because it's going to be so much more prevalent? Maybe half the people in that stadium have money on the Browns that day? Or do you think it won't be that prevalent that there will still be most fans will be, I root for my team, I don't bet, and that wouldn't be a reality. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm happy to report that the Browns, Nevada has already given up their numbers for weeks 1 through 16. The Browns are favored in week 2 against the Jets and week 16, I think, against the Bengals. Wow! So, Progress! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, to your point, I, I think by and large, people who are already betting are, are already betting. So this, is, this changes the game. People can now do it legally. Some new people can, can enter the arena here from 
players fairly often that they already get booed about their fantasy performances, so that's nothing new for them. Okay. Uh, you know, if they're not covering or if they are. And that does happen a lot of times. You know, the smart football play is to take a knee. You don't want to get it blocked and returned and right. have some sort of disaster. So I, I don't really foresee a scenario where there's they're shouting about the, the point spread, the covering or non-covering, and I don't think players will be terribly concerned with that okay. either. And so, you, I mean, you really don't think you don't think we're going to be in a, wor- in a world where fifty or seventy or eighty percent of people in a stadium on a given Saturday or Sunday have money on that game. You don't think it'll be that prevalent? No, not not okay. that prevalent. I, it's, it's, I don't know what percentage of people play fantasy sports, but I would think it's probably a subset of that that is going to want to you know, make a legal sports bet. I mean, maybe on the Super Bowl, there'll probably be uh, an influx of wagering and okay. and maybe around. March Madness, you know, I could be wrong. That sports betting already is pretty popular. Uh, but they do probably smaller quantities. And, and, and like you said, just for to make it a little more interesting. And, okay. and people aren't trying to actually make a living doing it this way. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm just the kind of person that I enjoy sports. I'm a sports writer. I would obviously never bet on any game that I'm covering or that, you know, with any chance of, of being a team that, that I'm around. But you know, I, I would never, I never had like a, an app on my phone because like I was worried something would go wrong or somebody in the, you know, if they didn't give me my money, what was I going to do? And I think a lot of people say like, oh, you know, if you wanted to bet, you could already bet. What's the big deal? And like my personality is, well, I didn't want to bet. If you if you really weren't supposed to bet, if I went to Vegas, then I bet for fun. But if I'm not supposed to bet, I didn't bet. And now if I'm allowed to bet, then maybe I'll bet. Like I just, I'm curious like how many people think like that. Um because I do think there's some people in the world that you know, if it's against the law, it's against the law, and if you're, right. if it's not against the law, then I can do it, right? Some people think that way. Definitely, and and not only that, but it's you know because it's been banned federally outside of Nevada, it's it's kind of taboo, it's stigmatized. You know, Al, Al Michaels will toss out a reference here and there, and and some people get it, but you know he can't really say it out loud. Nor could Jimmy the Greek or, or Brent Musburger for a while. Uh, so. Yeah, and, you know, I could divide half of my friends. Some already have an account with uh, somebody offshore with a local bookie, and half of them, like you said, they're just not comfortable sending uh, sending information to to a sports book in Costa Rica. And, yeah. Well, they might with a legal book, but right now they, they have not. Okay. Do you think so? When we hear uh, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman calling the Packers and Cowboys game on a Sunday afternoon, in this world, will they now be talking about the line and not just who's going to win, but who, which team is the better bet? Do you think it'll become that prevalent in the coverage of the sports? Well, I reference Michaels, and, and he's a guy that he's he's known. He's, he's interested in sports betting. I think it, it probably depends a bit on, on how close each of the, the networks wants to allow their anchors to get to it. I think on ESPN, ticker on the bottom, you're probably going to start seeing point spreads. Maybe on ESPN 2, Southampton already does a bad beat segment. Yeah. And by the way, he can't even mention NFL games there because of their partnerships with uh, ESPN's partnerships with them, so it's only college. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's, I mean, there's going to be more media opportunity. There's going to be more interest and definitely more coverage, but I wouldn't expect an avalanche of, of references to the point spread in-game. Maybe, I mean, Buck is pretty straight-laced, maybe a couple here and there, Okay, but not a major shift. Okay. The, and I want to get, you mentioned, you know, when Scott mentions the college games, I wanted to get to that because I do think that's a complicating factor when in America we have a giant uh, enterprise of sports that is amateur sports, so-called amateur sports, where everybody makes yeah. money except the players. I said, now... 
now on a college Saturday, every single person in that stadium can make money on the game except the teenagers playing the game. We already knew the coaches were getting paid. I'm getting paid to be there and cover it. But now the fans can bet on the game and make money on it also. Is there a complicating factor in the United States if this is legal across the board because of the amateur athletics part of it, either just from the idea like, man, that just doesn't seem right, or from the idea of will more college players be tempted to try to bet if they're not making money on the game, but hey, I know we're going to win by more than 20, now I'm just going to make a bet and it's going to be easy to do. Is it that, How much of a complicating factor is that for college sports? is already going on. I'm sure there's already temptations, uh, maybe some opportunities that hopefully kids aren't uh, looking into. The, the point-shaving scandals, those those were actually flagged and identified by Nevada Sportsbooks and, and tipping off authorities. So I think people keep, need to keep in mind here, too, that it, it's not in the interest of, of anybody who's involved in the sports betting industry to have there be any sort of malfeasance going on. They want games to be clean, and kosher, just like everyone else. As far as the college kids, I mean, the NCAA, it's, that's, a, that's a whole separate issue of whether they pay or do not pay kids. I think it's ridiculous that, you know, these kids need to struggle to get lunch money uh, when, they're, when they're working 60 hours uh, in film and practice. Yeah. Um, there, are, there, are, there are some other things that I think the NCAA and some of the sportsbooks can do, maybe imposing lower limits on some of the collegiate games. You know, it would just take a ludicrous amount of money to, uh, you know, to get an NFL athlete to participate in something like this, given the amount that they're making. Right. Obviously, college kids are not in that position. So lower limits, uh, I think, would make it more difficult uh, to get somebody on board. Uh, but in general, just having everything above board, uh, if, if anybody tries to pick something, I think it'll be easier to connect the dots if, if they're making a wager at a legal book that is looking out for all these things. So... By and large, I think this is a good thing to protect the integrity of sports. There's always going to be some bad actors, and hopefully they get sniffed out. Let me ask you this, and this was one thing I was I was thinking about. Um, we know whether it was 15 or 20 years ago, there was a time in Nevada when you could not bet on UNLV as a college program. And we know that that, that changed many years ago, and, and now you can. Would it make any sense in your mind to say... Sports gambling is legal in Ohio, but we will not be accepting bets on any Ohio college program. And sports betting is legal in Texas, but we will not be accepting bets on any Texas college program. Is And obviously, you know, again, the people who really want to bet on it can find ways around that. You know, right. you just go over the state line and make a bet. But it, it would eliminate the, the the easiest way for maybe anybody who is around that program um, to go down the street and make a bet or get on their phone and make a bet in their state. Uh, of course, on the other hand of that is, what's the most interesting thing? I bet, I, I bet, I imagine that in the state of Ohio, the, the, the program that will get the most bets on it by people in the state is Ohio State football. So if you said, well, you're not allowed to bet on Ohio State football, that would take a little bit of the fun out of it for some people. Is that what I'm suggesting? Is there anything to that? Or would that just be a stupid thing to do that really wouldn't stop anything and would take away some of the fun of betting on the teams that you love? Yeah, what you just said there is a stupid thing to do that would really serve no purpose. Okay. Uh, that said, it, it is something that 
some states, including mine, New Jersey, is kicking around. They're comfortable with full-fledged wagering, but they're not sure if they want betting on uh, collegiate sports in, in New Jersey. It just doesn't make any sense, especially you know if people will have the ability to bet in any number of states. What's to stop somebody from calling to another state and uh, you know with Ohio and, and saying, "Hey, can you place a wager on this game for me?" Right. I mean, if they're going to legalize and regulate this, there's an acceptance that doing so will, will allow everyone to make sure that that everything is clean and and has integrity so you know to to carve out exception for a local team when there will still be the ability to call a friend in any other state to to make a wager just it's it it sounds nice and cute in theory but i don't think it serves any practical purpose yeah i'll I'll be very curious i think there's a way it's sort of like who if if for instance ohio state does not want the people um in its university to bet on the university's sports program that probably is up to Ohio State to implement some rule if it wants to do so. It's not up to the state, maybe to ban it across the board. But I w- I'll be very curious, and I tried to ask Ohio State about this, for instance, and they said they didn't have a response right now. Would Ohio State say that no, nobody employed by Ohio State University may make a sports bet on the Ohio State football team? Or nobody who, who donates to Ohio State University may make a bet on the Ohio State sports on an Ohio State sports team, and if we find out, we will disassociate you from the program, or we will fire you from your job at Ohio State, right. because they're trying to, to keep that as clean as possible and keep anybody from saying to one of the players, hey, what's going on with that guy's injury? Is he really hurt? Is he going to play? Like, I think it's, I think, could you maybe, would that make sense to you on any level for, for universities to try to do that? Or again, are we just in a world where anybody can do what they want to do? Or would there be, for a university, some reason to do that? Well, as you can see, I'm obviously pretty liberal on this issue, but, but I do agree with that. And I think that is a component of some of the draft legislation that, you know, nobody associated with the program, an assistant trainer or, or uh, some guy doing video from the top row, but I don't think that they should be able to go into a sports book and, and make a wager on, on that team. And I think what we might see is, you know, lists, lists and names of individuals who are associated with the programs, the sports book will have them. So they have their IDs too, so they can cross-reference and, and make sure that, that it's not a threat. Okay. So you do, yeah, I was wondering like how much maybe the university and a state would work hand in hand on that. And again, like we said, if you're somebody peripherally associated with the team and you're not allowed to bet, but your friend doesn't work for the team and you tell your friend to bet, I mean, you're just getting around it very easily, but at least you're putting up a tiny little roadblock to maybe try to prevent something. Um, Brett, I think... Not not only that, but we we talked a little bit about limits earlier. Uh, You know, it's, let's say in Ohio, if they want to make a a $500 or $1,000 betting limit on any of those games, I think we can agree that that's a small enough quantity that hopefully Mm. nobody is willing to risk their reputation uh, over that. So the recreational better, you and I are going to be fine. It's just people who want to bet professionally and do it for a living, they're going to have these limits imposed if they want to be betting on OSU. Okay. And so then in general, and I'll let you go soon, Brett. I really appreciate your help on this. In general, will it basically be that that every state just becomes like Nevada is now and that's just it? Or, or, or do you think that there will be a lot of states that limit some things in some ways – it may be in the beginning if they're not experts at it yet and they're worried about being taken advantage of or maybe just that, you know, 
maybe it just in the end it won't quite be that everything that happened that everything that happens with sports betting in Vegas happens in every other state where we have futures on everything or is it just going to be a copy of that that every state becomes Nevada when it comes to sports betting it definitely doesn't have to be all at once I think a lot of the the lawmakers and there's been hearings in about 20 states in uh, early in these sessions from New York to Kansas to Louisiana to, to Iowa, they're, they're having this conversation. I think some of them are realizing uh, there's a lot they don't know. Uh, yeah. At the same time, in, in the Northeast, there are, you know, good buildings at the forefront of this, and, and New York wants to race the market. They don't want to be far behind. Um, and just today, there's so much happening. Reading Illinois, one lawmaker said, you know, we don't want to screw this up. So there is a sense that they, they want to be a little bit deliberate and make sure that they get this right and talk to stakeholders and, and find out how it works. Maybe they need to take a field trip to Las Vegas to take a look. And, you know, maybe they, they don't want to be licensing retailers uh, at convenience stores or this and that. They just want to keep it to, to brick-and-mortar casinos and riverboats. So there's a whole bunch of different options, but the, uh, the, the one true constant is that, you know, people like betting on sports. People have been doing it. People like gambling in general. There's casinos in 38 states. And the court ruling on Monday is a, is a big game changer because it's been forced into the shadows for a long time. Brett, I appreciate your help. Is there anything, is there a point that I haven't asked about that, that hasn't been brought up that you really want to make that you think is an important aspect of this that I'm not thinking about? You pretty well covered it, but one thing I do want to add is, you know, we got to, uh, a tracker map up at my website, sportshandle.com, and I'm looking at it right now, and you guys are literally surrounded on all sides by states that have either legalized already or probably will do so sometime next year. It's, um, I guess it's just a point of amusement, but right now people who are on the eastern and southeastern part of the state can go to Pennsylvania where it's legal and it will be available soon. In West Virginia, they will be happy to take your dollars, and Michigan is probably going to get something done by... Uh, the end of their session and Indiana they have a special session right now and they're going to kick it around again so any interested sports bettors out there you can call up your local lawmaker and and tell them that uh you'd like to stay in your home state to do this yeah it it does seem like I was reading we've had a lot of coverage at cleveland.com about it um and obviously I think Ohio is behind but I think there's even something in in the Ohio bylaws that say like well if all the other states around us are doing something really? then huh. then we'll do it that I do think that's an interesting point you make that it does matter what the other states are doing because I do think even if Ohio state if Ohio is a little slow on the draw right now there is a realization of like listen if if everybody in the state can drive half an hour over the border to do it we're not stopping anybody. We may as well do it ourselves and get the money. So I think they're slow at the moment, but I think they're going to come around based on that idea that you sort of just presented. You're not going to stop it, right? You're not going to stop it. So you may as well make some money off of it. Yeah, and it's it's literally in Ohio County, West Virginia. The, there's two casinos there, and they're well aware that what the situation is in Ohio, and, and they're going to be happy to have people come over uh, into their state. Very interesting. Brett Smiley, thank you so much for your expertise on this. Um, clearly, there's a lot of sports fans in the world who are who dabble in this but aren't experts on it, but I think people are going to get a lot more knowledgeable because um, it is. Things are changing. So thanks for your help, Brett. Happy to be with you. Have a good rest of the day.
And that's it for another Takes by the Lake. Thanks to Brett Smiley. You can follow him on Twitter at, believe it or not, Brett Smiley. B-R-E-T-T-S-M-I-L-E-Y. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Maurice. Read my stuff at cleveland.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Takes by the Lake. We're going to get back uh, to our tour of the AFC North on the next Takes by the Lake. We did the Baltimore Ravens last week. And uh, the Cincinnati Bengals will be up next. We've already actually recorded that conversation. It's really interesting. Again, uh, lots of similarities about um, where the Bengals were um, 15 years ago before Marvin Lewis got there, uh, what they became, uh, where the Browns are now. And then the question you have have to ask yourself is, if the Browns become what the Bengals have been, for the last seven years is that success or not that's what we'll discuss on the next takes by the lake but for now thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time